The Paranet Podcast, a Dresden Files book club. Welcome to The Paranet Podcast with your hosts, me, Patrick Lunn, and... Me, Rob Davis. We've got a fantastic show uh, for you guys today. Big finale, fireworks, fairies, everything, everywhere. Um, as we are going into the finale of Summer Night! Summer Night! You excited, Rob? Oh, I'll tell you what I am excited for. I mean, yes is the answer, but do you know what else I'm excited for? What else are you excited for? <laughs> Like, we start a new book, Death Masks, and I'm excited for how you're going to say it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've been thinking about this. I'm thinking of uh, channeling in community when they play Dungeons & Dragons, the way that Chang introduces his character. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I, I'm up for that. <laughs> um, I was going to give a preview, but I feel like that's going to blow the surprise of of how it will sound. Uh, so for now, I will just try and yeah, sound, I, I... say it as bland as possible. So our next book yeah, is I mean, going to that, be... Yeah, I that's what I'm going to do. Masks. Yeah, that was really bland. <laughs> Extremely bland. Um, but before we do that, uh, we have our... Uh, para networking section. Para networking is where we talk about all uh, the cool goings on in the Dresden verse at the moment. Um, Jim Butcher is uh, beavering away uh, on. I think he's working on the next uh, in the Aether Spire series. Is that right? Aether Spire. I think it is. Um, um, his Cinder uh, Spires series. Cinder Spires, there we go. Uh, yeah. yeah, his kind of steampunk series. I've had the first which... one for years and just... We might need to t turn cameras off. I think you're you're getting a bit... Well, there's some lag somewhere. Fair enough. Okay. Is that any better? Yes, much better. Um, yeah, Cinder Spire series, uh, as you are saying. Um... Yeah, I, it, I I haven't read it. Have you? No, I. It's weird because I bought the book, uh, like two years ago. No, three years ago even. And I got the audiobook while I was still working in a at Gartner. And mm -hmm. I just know. I I think I started reading it. Like I read like the first chapter maybe, and then was like, maybe I should continue Dresden Files instead. <laughs> and, and then that happened and for some I've, I've just not had a chance to really go back to it i pick it up every now and then i'm like today's the day and then i do something else yeah i i should definitely give it a try because i love his writing style and i've enjoyed uh some of jim's other books i read some of codex alera um i've read his darkest hours which is the the spider-man uh book that he wrote um, so Cinder Spies should be on the list. It'd be great to hear from some of some of the uh, Paranet fans um, what they make of it um, and whether Ooh. it's worth reading. Um, but yes, I believe that's what Jim is currently currently has in the pipeline. And then 
it will be the next Dresden Dresden book, I imagine. Um, I hope so. Which he, yeah, which he mm. has tentatively titled Twelve Months, and then book nineteen is uh, titled Mirror Mirror. Oh yes, oh yes. Which I'm looking for both of those. Um, I think it will be. I I think we'll probably get the next Cinder Spires this year. I I would be very surprised if we get the next Dresden. Yeah, I I th- I'd, I don't know. It depends how his schedule is looking. I'd expect Cinder Spires to be like you say, maybe late this year, possibly early yeah. next. Um, but I probably realistically wouldn't expect another Dresden book. Until, until like the earliest of maybe twenty two, which no, not twenty two, twenty three. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Which I mean is still fine, I guess. Or is it? <laughs> but I want more. I mean, yeah, Give it's totally fine. More. But we're in a we're in a pandemic in lockdown, and I need stuff to read. So sort it out, Jim. <laughs> Give us more, Jim. I need more. Uh, that being said, Jim is fantastic for throwing out microfictions and short stories um, and all sorts of stuff. We've also had um, a, a couple of Dresden Files RPG releases. Like last year, we had We'll Always Have Parish. Um, so it'd be interesting to see if he throws out something in that sort of direction as well. Um, but yes, lots and lots of cool things on the horizon. Uh, next Cinder Spires book uh, is um, uh, The Olympian Affair, which sounds pretty cool as well. Oh, that sound of that. Oh, yeah. Um, cool, yeah. Uh, so, um, not much going on in the world of Dresden. So, uh, um, we will check in with ourselves. Um Sometimes we do uh, little uh, questions out to the fans. Sometimes we do uh, looking at bigger questions in the in the kind of Dresden fan community, like the Reddit and stuff. Uh, but today we're just gonna gonna catch up with what uh, myself and Rob have been doing uh, recently. So, Rob, what what media have you been consuming? Oh, my friend, let me tell you, let me tell you the tale. Weave me a yarn, Rob. Oh, I, I mean, over the last maybe month, I have been watching the US version of The Office for the first time. Oh, man, that title sequence is like a hug in a title I sequence. I know exactly <laughs> what you mean. Um, just trying to think of what else. It's been, it's been a bit of a weird like a few weeks to be honest because I keep starting things and I get about halfway through them and then just find something else usually I go back to it eventually like I'm I start I'm about halfway through the Queen's Gambit which is pretty good um yeah I watched the first episode of that and then um I haven't really continued it yet but it seems good yeah it's um I mean what drew me to it was one working in Waterstones and everyone and their mum buying it lately um, <laughs> and to I recognise the author name Walter Tevis, and the reason why is because one of my favourite films is The Hustler with Paul Newman, which came out I think, oh yeah 
I think it was late 50s, maybe early 60s, and it turns out that uh, Walter Tevis wrote the uh, novel it was based on. Huh. Okay. So, small world, I guess. Yeah. Um, cool. Yeah, I mean, other than that, it's... I don't really know. I've watched Peep Show again somehow. I mean, that's a given, really. Um, yeah. <laughs> most most days, I squeeze in at least one episode of Peep Show somehow. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, like... I'm not really sure. I'm, sure. I'm sure I started something recently and was like, this is fucking sick, but I cannot remember for the life of me what it was or is. Um... So I'll come back hey, to that Rob, when I remember. How's that, uh, how's that going through an episode without swearing going? I don't know. How many times have I, have I sworn already? <laughs> you just you just uh, did your first. Wow. <laughs> I, I don't even notice. That's how bad it is. I mean, this is why I'm also not applying for a job as a teacher anymore. So. Yeah, that's that's probably for the best. <laughs> yeah. If I can't dial it back now, I'm not going to dial it back at all, am I? So, the the thing with fucking Shakespeare, right? <laughs> <laughs> Shakespeare, fuck that guy. He made up his own words. <laughs> um, fuck Shakespeare. We're talking about Jim motherfucking butcher. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Oh. Uh, I think every English teacher I've ever had would probably kill me if they heard that. But, um... Yeah. <laughs> what are you going to do? Um, that being said, there is a there is a slight tie into Shakespeare uh, right at the end of Summer Night, so... Um, oh, shit, there is. We're still there. on topic. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Take that, literary critics. <laughs> oh. Um, what, what about what about you? What have you been watching, reading, playing, viewing? Yeah. What, what am I consuming? Both um, doesn't count. So my big the the big thing that's been getting me excited. Um, I think I I don't think I'm alone in this at all. Is One Division? Oh shit! Um, that's what I've been watching. That yeah, of course. Yeah. Um. Oh wow! Uh, Freaking, um, I I never thought Disney would go so hard on something as abstract as this. Um, and I was so I mean I've been excited about One Division for a while because I, I was a big fan of Tom King's Vision uh, run, a big fan of um, just kind of uh, um. Makes me think of uh, the movie Pleasantville. I don't know if you've seen that. I know um, of it, but I've not seen it. It's good, um, but a uh, bit Truman Showy, uh, all that kind of uh, Stepford Wives, suburban, um, perfect suburbia horror. I guess. Yeah. Um, is um, extremely fun. To uh, I, it's a it's a really nice setting. I like it a lot. Um, and I think uh, I feel like we've had it a couple of times with Jim Butcher, where he's played with those sort of aesthetics um, in Dresden. Um, but uh, there's also kind of, a, I guess, uh, the flip side of magic realism, almost like sci-fi realism, 
Yeah. Um, it uh, it's kind of well, the, well, it, it looks like it might be taking a turn more towards magic realism now. Um, where are you up to with the series? Are you up to date? Um, I think I'm two episodes behind. I think I'm on episode six. Okay, so what era was the last one you watched? Um, it was the one with the surprise guest cliffhanger ending. Right, cool. Uh, so I guess uh, we'll put a warning out for like uh, the next like five minutes. There might there may be some spoilers um, for One Division if you haven't watched it. Um, we'll only spoil up to where Rob's up to. I won't talk about anything past that because that's yeah, only fair. Um, although I will say, Rob. Uh, the the genre stuff that they do for the next episode that you're going to watch, episode seven, mm. um, where it's like uh, noughties and it's like Malcolm in the Middle um, influenced. It, it hit me. There was, something just resonated with me deeply with those. It was like, oh my god, I'm five. I'm maybe seven or eight, in fact. Again. Uh, <laughs> So that that's damn cool. Um, yeah. What what do you make of the series so far? I'm really enjoying it. Like, it's a bit weird because part of me really wants to be hipster about it and be like, ugh, Marvel. But like, <laughs> you can't really deny its influence, I guess. Um, and One Division itself, like like you've pretty much covered. Big fan of Tom King's run on Vision. Uh, House of M was one of the stories that got me back into comics in. 2005 or 6 I can't remember what year um, mm. and just kind of I, I don't know I, it's always annoyed me that or at least Scarlet Witch to me with the exception of House of M and a few other stories like that um, Avengers Disassembled um, it always feels like she's very underplayed I guess she's a hard character to have because she's kind of like so like so potentially powerful yeah. and unstable it's like if if you bring her into a story she suddenly kind of becomes like the heart of everything yeah um but, i guess jean gray always has that problem as well i find yeah i mean following on from that i feel like the films especially i've always thought she's been very i don't want to say underdeveloped but she doesn't have much screen time and yeah, that kind of thing. But um, there's only been like a few scenes which have really kind of shown her potential, so it's been really good to have her as the main focus of the series, especially. Yeah, definitely. And um, I think uh, Elizabeth Olsen deserves some focus. So does Paul Bettany. They're, they're both incredible actors. Mate, he's, he's um, fucking terrific in everything. Like, honestly, go watch... Um, <laughs> Master and Commander, if you haven't. And do you remember the film A Knight's Tale? Man, A Knight's Tale is... It's such a good film. That is a great film. If you are feeling down, if you're ill, and you just, like, have to kind of mung out for a couple of hours and recover, watch yeah. A Knight's Tale. I, my experience will... with A Knight's Tale was... I saw it at the cinema as a kid, and it was one of those films where your parents are dragging you to it, and you're like, no, I want to see that film. And then you're like yeah. sat there pretending to hate it for the full two hours when actually you're laughing at every joke. Yeah. And then when you <laughs> leave the cinema, your parents are like, oh, I told you you'd like it. And you're like, fuck off. 
<laughs> Funnily enough, I think I was like that with one of the X Men films. <laughs> uh, one of the, the my very first like exposed superhero things, and I was like, no, I want to go and see the Rugrats movie. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, Rugrats movie was a good movie. Oh, um, from what I remember, anyway. Yeah, I I just remember Angelica singing, climbing a mountain when she's looking for a like little Cindy doll, and thinking that it was like one of the most epic things of my five years of existence on the planet at that point. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> um. But yeah, um, I really good series. Uh, I I think um, th- we have we have both at various times. Uh, I I don't know. Not enjoyed the uh, where the Marvel universe has gone, mostly because um, yeah, it, it's it, it is such the mainstream and. And it, it kind of has that that issue of being filtered through so many different pop culture lenses that it becomes the kind of uh, Coca-Cola mainstream uh, branded thing that um, is hard to see something that was once very, like, out there and... Mm. Um, very much like on the down low for a lot of people kind of turn into that. Um, but it's, it's crazy to see Disney going like that. They're, they're still this, they're showing that they can still play weird. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, if they can keep doing that, then I'm, I'm game for that. Um, that's in my opinion, that's kind of how it should be, I guess. Um, so yeah, uh, really, really cool. Um, going up, moving off from one division, um, other stuff that um, I've been getting into, really, really got into recently, and uh, part of this is because I'm into the game grumps. Um, Gangan Ropa, um, which if you're not aware of it, Rob, is um, are, are you aware of Gangan Ropa? I can't say I am. Okay, so. Um, it's essentially uh, battle royale, um, where you've got like a class of students that are all told they have to kill each other. Um, it's a, it's a, I'm, I will say it's a game, but to be perfectly honest, it's more like I think they call them like visual novels, where it's mostly like reading and you make some choices and stuff. Um, Fair enough. And then, um. You go into like these sequences where you uh, there's like there's there's some actiony bits, but um, not much. Um, the game grumps were doing Danganronpa one, um, and when I first started watching it, I was like, "This is the most boring thing in the world." Uh, <laughs> and then I got really into the characters and stuff, um, and it's it's really good, and it's the most twisty turny thing. So the whole setup is. Um, you're in a school, you're a student, you're, uh, there's uh, 15, 16 other students. Um, you've all got to, uh, to escape the school, you've got to kill someone, and then 
get away with it in a class trial where everyone has to work out who killed who. The, you as the main character never kill anyone. Um, so you've always got to try and work out who killed who. Um, if the person, if the killer gets away, everyone else is killed and they get to escape. Um, so to survive, you've got to find out who the killer is each time. So it's like a detective game. Um, but the the level of fuckery and twists and turns is dialed up to like a thousand. Like there's like amnesia, there's robots, there's um, like hypnotism. There's like a disease that makes people do whatever you tell them. There's um, people who are like members of the Yakuza. Um, it's it's insane. It's like every anime trope just pumped into one thing. Um, so yeah, so the first one the Game Ups did, I bought the second one. Um, each game has uh, five murders that you have to solve. So I've solved three out of five on, um, on the second one. Um, and it, the last one was wild, absolutely wild. Um, and yeah, that's that's kind of been that's been a big part of my my day uh, last <laughs> for a little while. Which again, I guess it does roll into the Dresden Files stuff of like detectives um, and like mystery and and all that kind of thing. Um, it's it's playing on those same kind of taste buds, but from a completely different direction. Yeah. Um so yeah, um I've really really enjoyed that. Uh reading wise, uh, I've been reading a lot of the the Star Wars Fantasy Flight uh RPG books. Um <laughs> which has become a bit of a running joke in our our role playing group, <laughs> I guess, cuz I'm I'm amassing them at the rate that a dragon amasses his hoard of treasure. Um <laughs> <laughs> Accurate description. <laughs> um but man they they are fantastic um if you can get your hands on them i supremely recommend not just to play the game but they are packed full of star wars lore which is superb um and also uh general like tips on running role-playing games that i've not really seen anywhere else like um I was reading the the book the other day that was for the Guardian subclass in the Force and Destiny series, um, and it had a breakdown of Joseph Campbell's um, Hero with a Thousand Faces in the back of it. And yeah. I was like, "That's such a a weird." I mean, it makes complete sense. Cause it's like, how do you tell a how do you tell the hero's journey and do all that? Um, but it's maybe one of the best breakdowns I've seen of it, and in a place that I completely didn't expect to find anything like that um so yeah it, it's really really cool and there's some great things from um oh god i'm gonna get the name wrong now is it tom filoni i want us dave filoni dave filoni um who uh has done fantastic work recently on the mandalorian stuff and um, he wrote several sections of these books um, and has a couple of like forwards and side words in them, um, and I really do feel like he's gonna become the Kevin Feige of Star Wars. Um, I, I mean, he's well. He, he, I say he's gonna become. He's pretty much there. Um, oh, but I think I think that, that's gonna only develop. Um, so worth getting an insight into his kind of mind, and he's really got a good tap into what 
Star Wars fans love about Star Wars. Mm. Um, so yeah, that's that's pretty much where I'm at reading wise. Uh, still following Dawn of X. Um, I haven't really read many more comic books recently. Um, I'm waiting for the DC Future State, State stuff to come out. I keep forgetting um, about that. I, I still don't think it's going to stick. Um, I'll be honest. No. I think that they'll do like 12 issues of all the runs and then they'll have some sort of event that will bring us back to DC Prime yeah, or whatever. Yeah, I mean, the illusion of change and stuff like Future State is why I've kind of stopped following like the main universe continuity. Um, I mean, that said, I've picked up the uh, black label title uh, Wonder Woman Dead Earth. Oh, I haven't touched that yet. Oh man, it looks really good. I, I'm it arrived a few days ago, and I haven't had a chance to read it yet or even start it. But as soon as it's done, you'll you'll get a message. Do it, man. Oh, I mean the the Wonder Woman, uh, not the Wonder Woman, the the Black Label series. Um, it's all superb stuff. It really is. Agreed. Um, super, super into it. Um, uh, yeah, like Black Label is DC's. I think they describe it as like an adult line. I guess. Yeah, um, I, think it, I think it's. I think it originally started being as a more adult line, and it's now just kind of become the more adult stuff and Elseworlds. Like they've rebranded a lot of stuff, like uh, Kingdom Come, uh, New Frontier, and all that's kind of been rebranded under the label. Yeah, it's um, it's like kind of like prestige comic books, almost like um, like Oscar bait comic books. Um, <laughs> but it 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 works. Um, it's like one-off stories told very well. Normally, they were done over like a longer period of time. Have like particularly good creators on it. Um, yeah, I mean, I. I they they work well for me, I think. Um, I I think it's a good way for DC to go. Um, I I wouldn't be surprised if Marvel follows suit with something um, yeah. similar. Um, but yeah, I, I I am feeling I'm feeling more and more disconnected with comic books at the moment, um, and I'm not quite sure why that is. I think um, for me, but... it's more time constraints that and you know i'm broke as fuck at the moment um (laughs) (laughs) um yeah i think it is just the amount of like i mean i've got like a reading list of stuff to be reading for uni but to be fair because the course is called literary media so i just binge watch tv shows and kind of justify that it's literary and it's media (laughs) (laughs) and then panic do some reading at the very last minute yeah, that sounds about right. That's similar to my student experience. Yeah, I mean, it's what it's what I did in uh, our undergrad, and I did pretty well there, so fuck it. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Um, cool, yeah, so um, I think that's that's pretty much everything that I've, that we've been consuming. Um, I got, oh, I, um, so my birthday recently, I, I also got the Dark Souls board game. Oh, um, bitch. But man, it is crazy. Um, the amount of stuff that you get in that. 
box is insane. Um, so I got I got the Dark Souls board game with the Asylum Demon expansion. Um, I am yet to play it. I'm still digesting the hundred page rule book. Um, <laughs> Jesus, but It'll be worth the it. Yeah, it definitely will, and it, it looks like it's kind of like a skirmish game that you can play with multiple people, which um, I'm really looking forward to. Um, me and my partner Amy are going to give it a crack, um, and yeah, that's so that's that. Um, yeah. Uh, so, anything else that you want to throw in before we move on? I mean, there probably is, but I can't remember what the frig I'm on about, so. We may as well just get on with the main, the main event. <laughs> Let's move on then. <laughs> uh, so, uh, Dresden Files Book Club. Uh, as you guys know, this is our bold attempt to consume all of the comic books, games, uh, short stories, microfictions, um, scrawlings on Twitter, anything, uh, and. Uh, in the Dresden Files universe, including the novels themselves in chronological order, um, we are at the final three chapters of book four in the Dresden Files. Summer night! Summer night! Um, and uh, every week we go through uh, the previous chapters that we covered, um, then jump into the new chapters, do a little bit of literary break- breakdown, do a little bit of pop culture breakdown and uh, just discuss what we enjoyed, uh, what we liked, what we didn't like, uh, any kind of controversy, any kind of uh, points in the Dresden Files community that we think are worth covering. Um, and yeah, that's that's pretty much it. Uh, it's kind of the meat, meat and potatoes of our podcast. So, last time on Summer Night! Uh, we did chapters 29 30 and 31 chapter 29 uh, Harry armed up and joined with the alphas as well as Meryl and Fix the changelings uh, and the group headed off across the city Harry explained that Aurora the summer lady is trying to tear the fairy courts apart Uh, they arrived at a dock on the shores of Lake Michigan and Harry gave all of them some of the ointment I hate that word ointment that allows them to see through fairy glamour. Uh, the wolves scattered into the shadows um, while Harry and the changelings head, headed into the dockyard. They were shot at by a sniper and Meryl was hit. The tigress, a fearsome ghoul foe, uh, attacks um, with the alpha, the alphas counterattacking, pulling her apart limb from limb. Uh, Harry and Fix attend to Meryl and find out that she was only grazed. Uh, a wolf comes and asks Harry to follow it. Harry finds Ace, the last of the changelings. Um, and it turns out that he's a sniper. Uh, in fact, he was the sniper that shot at Harry and Murphy and is now the sniper that shot at Meryl. Um, Harry's all like... Uh, you suck, dude, and uh, maybe I should just get these wolves to tear you apart. Ace is all like, me, 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 me. Uh, Meryl and Fix turn up, and they're all like, mm-hmm. Uh, and then Ace is all like, I'm going to run away, and then goes, me, 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 and runs away. Um, and that's pretty much it. Uh, 
Uh, oh, uh, he also is like, Lloyd Slate. Um, and um, they're all like, oh, okay, so you sold out Harry to get protection from Lloyd Slate from the Red Court. Um, that takes us into chapter 30, uh, with them all heading up a fairy staircase into the sky. Um, I feel like we would get some David Bowie, Moon Age Daydream kind of action as they, they head up into the sky. Um, uh, they rock up at the battlefield. Uh, all the fairies are having a big old slap fight. Um, and then, um, one of them comes up to Harry and is like, who do you need to see my liege? And he's like, take me to Mab. Uh, so they head off to Mab. Um, Harry explains that, uh, Aurora's gone nuts. Uh, Mab's like, yeah, seems about right. Um, shows him, uh, a way to get over to where Aurora is, uh, past where Maeve is fighting. Um, Harry, um, basically, uh, heads that way with his, uh, entourage. They pick up a couple of goblins as well. Uh, goblins! Um, and then some bees rock up. Uh, all the wolves and the goblins and everyone is ready to, uh, fight the bees when Harry's like, I ain't got time for this shit. Uh, Fazari, fuego! And those bees are no more. Um, then Aurora and Lloyd Slate rock up. Uh, Aurora starts monologuing. Um, or uh, and then she tells Slate um, to kill Harry and um, basically take out the rest of the wolves and stuff. Uh, a bunch of fairy knights rock up to help Lloyd Slate do this. And that was where we ended um, and that takes us to this time on Dresden Files. Rob, do you want to take it from there? Oh man, do I? Yes, yes <laughs> I do. <laughs> right, chapter 32. The two for- we pick up where we left off, the two forces clash. You have Harry, Meryl, Fix, and the Alphas going up against Talos, Lloyd Slate, and Corrick, while, whatchamacallit, Aurora's, you know, pissing about trying to get a statue to the stone table. Um, in the chaos, like, Meryl is fatally wounded by Lloyd Slate. He, like, stabs her right in the right in between the ribs with a massive fucking sword, which, you know, is gonna hurt. You're not gonna have a good time. Um, as she falls to the ground, Harry, like, takes on the Winter Knight. He stamps his staff on the ground and casts this big old spell, which I can't remember the name of, but it blasts a massive bolt of blue lightning directly at Lloyd Slate. And it affects everyone within, like, the vicinity, I guess. Like, everyone just ends up on the floor. I mean, Slate takes the brunt of it, of course. Um, and yeah, everyone's knocked down by this blast, except Talos, who, as you can remember, is one of the Fae, so the magic doesn't really do shit all to him. Um mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, Lloyd Slate recovers and he he starts to approach um, Harry at this point, being like, "I'm fucking done with this." Um, at this point, Fix is distraught and he fucking he just fucking goes for it. He's got like he's armed with like a wrench and he just smacks like Lloyd Slate's wrist as he's about to like attack Harry, and then just continues to pummel the shit out of him with it. 
And I, I can't remember the exact description, but there's a bit in it where like he just cracks him over the head with this wrench, and the, the description of Lloyd Slate just losing consciousness and falling down is beautiful. Um, and yeah, like after they've dealt with this, the Alphas kind of rock up and they all kind of regroup, forming a bit of a defensive circle around Meryl. And she's like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm fine. Most of this isn't even my blood. And it's like, whatever, mate. And then, like, all of the forces of summer just kind of fucking rock up and are charging towards them. And just when you think, this this ain't good. This You're not going to have a good time. Uh, the Winter Lady herself, Maeve, shows up. And her and her forces kind of, like, Rohan the absolute shit out of the um, summer light lot. And, oh man, just, just the moment where, like, they thank her and everything, and she's just, like, looking all smug and shit, being like, ah, Lloyd Slate, we need a few words with you. And he's just yeah. like, um, <laughs> <laughs> And anyway, they begin to catch up with Aurora, and Harry manages to snatch the unravelling back off of her before, she, you know, she starts doing the whole thing with the statue. And he takes it, does the roadrunner noise, meep, meep, and then, like, pegs it. Um, at this point, we're dealing with Korok as well, which the Alphas, I say dealing with, they're distracting him. Harry's specifically told him at this point, you know, like, he's way too much for you guys to handle, so just get his attention. Um, yeah. And what I love about this is I can visualise the whole thing perfectly in my head, like, the kind of cat and mouse about the unravelling, like, because Aurora has only just lost this um, item, and within seconds, she just fucking, like, bitch slaps Harry and takes it again. And she's like, I'm fucking tired of your bullshit, and just, instead of trying to kill him right out, she just raises, like, a massive wall of thick thorns that kind of, like, surround and enclose Harry. And at this point, like, a not, like, I can't remember if she's described as a knight, but, like, I know that her face is obscure, so let's just say a knight. A knight of summer appears and is about to, like, chuck a spear down at Harry. And he's like, oh god, please no. And that is where we end that chapter. And then, you know, picking up from that cliffhanger, we get the cheesy cliche of the spear misses his head and, like, pierces his side. Like, not his side, but, like, the area next to him, I guess, beside him. Um, yeah. And the knight removes her helm and it's t- it just turns out to be a lane. Um... Anyway, they, they bicker for a bit, the whole kind of, yeah, we should probably go. And he's like, no, I've got shit to do, woman. And <laughs> she's like, why? She's the summer lady, you know? It's a proper um, Princess Leia in Jabba's Palace it moment. Really like, who are you? Someone who loves you. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, it is. Um, yeah, um, and anyway, after a bit of bickering between the two, Harry convinces her, you know, open a pathway through the thorns, I'll go through and I'll go after Aurora. And she complies, reluctantly, I suppose. Um, and Aurora, as, as he gets through the thorns, Aurora begins to use the unravelling, breaking the spell on Lily, reverting her from stone back to her human form? Mortal form. Let's go with mortal form. Yeah. Probably the better one. Um, and as, as soon as she comes to, she's like a bit dazed and confused, as she as you, you know, probably would be. And she is gripped by the throat and slammed straight onto the stone table. And as she's about to bring down the knife on her, 
Harry like just twats her with us <laughs> with his staff, and she drops the knife. And at that point, the clock strikes midnight. Um, Harry and Aurora begin to you know have a bit of a fight, and then like Talos joins, and she's like, "Ha ha, get him, Lord Marshal!" And he fucking like belts it towards Dresden with a sword again, and he's just stood there like, "For fuck's sake, why me?" And <laughs> then like there's a there's massive ruckus, all the thorns are being destroyed, and big giant enormous troll creature wielding an axe is just plowing through it like it's nothing and it's got a sword wound in between its ribs and it turns out to be Meryl who has chosen to embrace the fairy nature I suppose and yeah um, embrace the dark side <laughs> like your father before you exactly that and she she ends up tangoing with um forgotten his name, Talos, and I think the outcome from that is she she gets her hand severed off and then just collapses on top of him, basically. Um, yeah. In any case, with that being dealt with, Harry runs to the stone table, and he manages to take hold of the knife before Aurora can get to it. And again, she's doing this whole, like, oh, can't you see I've already won? And Harry's like, yeah, well, I have a bag. And he opens the bag, and is like, get her to, and Toot Toot emerges from the bag, and he's just carrying a box knife. And Aurora's just like, <laughs> oh, really? And at this point, Toot's just like, for the Tsar Lord! And all of these pixies just fucking storm out of the bag, just holding, like, box knives. And they all just fucking charge towards her, cutting her to pieces, and bringing her down once and for all. Oh, man. And then, I, yeah, I love that. Same. I forgot about that bit as well, but more on that in a sec. And then we go on to chapter 34, the final chapter of Summer Night! Summer Night! Harry is lying there, completely exhausted. Next to him is the body of Aurora as well. And a gold light kind of surrounds her body and just... It just, it, it fucks off, basically. Um, Mab, Queen Mab appears and congratulates Harry on his success. And, you know, states that she's honoured the agreement of um, letting the wizard, the White Council, use the, ne the roots through the Never Never. And that this is, like, the first part of his deal. Was it was it three deal? No, not three deals. Three tasks he had to do for her? I can't remember. Or was it two? I think so I think he's got one left. Fair um, enough. I, I can't remember, remember how many it was. Because uh, it was originally three with Leah. Yeah. Um, but yeah. In any case, he still has a few tasks in his debt. Um, but at this point, Mab gives him an offer, and we see Lloyd Slate surrounded by Mother Windsor and Maeve, and it's such a... Oh, just the imagery and just the wording and everything, it just gives you a bit of shivers. And mm -hmm. they're like, you know, we we have a treacherer a treacherer, a traitor among us. Can't speak English today. Uh, we have a traitor among us, and as a result of this, we need a new winter knight. And if Harry accepts and takes the mantle to replace Lloyd Slate, all of his debts will be cleared. And yeah. Harry's response is basically, hell no. And 
the bit that's most chilling about this is just Lloyd Slate begging him to accept. Please, do, don't let them take me, please. And as the Winter Court depart the scene, they take Lloyd Slate with them, and all Harry can hear is the echoing screams of Lloyd Slate. Yeah. And then he passes out. <laughs> the the other thing that gets me about that is Mab just saying, uh, it's alright, just think about it for a while, kind yeah. of. Oh man. But yeah, um, to kind of sum up the rest of this chapter here, Harry wakes up in his bed at home. Um, Billy's with him, has tidied out his apartment and everything. When I say tidy, I mean cleans his apartment, whatever you want to say. And Billy kind of fills him in on what he missed. Um, and it's that Meryl made her choice to you know, embrace that Faye side of her, I guess. And she doesn't have any regrets about it, and she did it to save everyone else, therefore sacrificing herself. Um, yep. Which is a bit sad, really, because I think they did really well at making her quite a sympathetic character. Um, there's also a message from Ebenezer that the White Council, you know, are glad that shit was done, but they're also blind red with rage or something, or seeing red, which I think they were expecting and hoping that Harry Dresden would bite the dust in this conflict. Um, but you know, they're cunts. What do you expect? Um, what else? We also get a visit at this point from the new Summer Lady and the new Summer Knight, and it's revealed to be Lillian Fix. And Lily explains that because she was carrying the mantle of the knight when Aurora died, the power of the Summer Lady transferred over to her as she was the nearest Summer Vessel. And therefore she also chose Fix to be her knight. So I guess not a happy ending, a bit of sweet victory, I guess. Um, and then finally we end our story with Elaine departing, but not before telling Harry to stop feeling guilty and to stop feeling sorry for himself, because in his current state there he won't be of any use to Susan in finding yeah. a cure or helping her with her condition. And Harry kind of accepts this, I guess, and then takes Billy up on his offer. As you can remember from earlier in the book, near the beginning, Billy and the Alphas, they're all worried about Harry, and they keep inviting him to come and down theirs for, like, pizza and role-playing games and stuff. And Harry finally takes them up on that, showing signs of recovery. And that is where we end. Summer night! Summer night! Oh, man. Man! What a fantastic finale. Oh, right. <laughs> it is um, probably one of the most epic finales that we get for several books. Inclined to agree. Yeah. Um, wow. Um, and... Again, we we kind of touched on this last week, but just it's so short and uh, like like very short chapters, very very fast, um, and yet it feels so massive and mm. epic. Um, it's it, I I think it's done very very well, um, and those 
some of those moments like uh, Meryl going full Hulk, essentially, um, and um, Toot Toot and his kind of fairy legion attacking, um, and even like um, the 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 smaller moment, I guess, with like Elaine uh helping harry through like the thorns and stuff um just such epic stuff and then that final resolution i i think those little like epilogues um some of the best moments um not well, maybe not be- best in a way because they set things up mm. um but also like there's something just so nice and uh that that closure that you get yeah. Um, listening, uh, like listening or reading that, um, it's just so nice. Um, yeah, absolutely, absolutely love it. Um, how, how do you feel about those last couple of chapters? I, I definitely enjoyed this book more this time round, because I okay. remember, I remember when I finished it the first time, and I think, I think I know what. Like, not ruined it, that's totally the wrong way to go about it. Um, I guess with each book so far up to this point, introducing various different parts of the world, um, this one diving straight into the fairy courts and kind of giving... It feels like it's throwing a lot of information at you on top of yeah. everything else we already know like that's been thrown at us. Um, and I think at the time that kind of not overwhelmed me i bit it was difficult to kind of keep up with who's doing what i guess um and I, I remember when i first finished this um i remember you saying it was probably one of your favorite books in the series at the time and I, I remember thinking to myself i definitely preferred grave peril um and i think i see this quite a few i say quite a lot i've seen it a few times within the community of you you have people saying that grave peril is where the series kind of picks up steam and finds its stride but then you have other people who say summer night is where it you know picks up and finds itself um and i don't think anyone's right in that or wrong for that matter but i definitely enjoyed the read through this time round, and i think that's because i i'm used to the world and know and understand all the different factions a lot better than I did the first time. Yeah. I I agree. I think there's a lot more here uh for a second read through. Definitely. Um, I think there's a lot that's being set up here that pays off in massive amounts later on. Agreed. Um yeah. Yeah, I can definitely see that. Um, this, so I, I feel like Grave Peril, uh, or should I say, Grave Peril. Grave uh, Peril. <laughs> uh, that uh, that book gives us a lot more of. I think that gives us a lot of Dresden as more like a a, a horror film or a horror yeah. genre. Uh, like the the masquerade ball, uh, I mean, as we talked about, kind of the the kind of implied like sexual violence and stuff. Mm. Um, it's very like it's more erring on the side of like a thriller or a horror uh, novel. Um, 
I feel like Summer Night is more on the side of a fantasy book. Um, I mean, obviously, like the fairy aspect, um, but also kind of the werewolves. Um, it's it's more like high fantasy magic realism, um, yeah. I guess, where you're heading with it. Um, and the, there is like a duality in that for the Dresden series that, that we'll see as we go on. Um, where it kind of walks the line between both, and um, I think eventually it it errs more towards the high fantasy side in in the later books. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's a lot of people that say that like Ghost Story was kind of a love letter to that more thriller side um, before Jim kind of departed away from it, and I can I can see that. Um. I can see why people might might feel that way, um, but this is certainly where the high fantasy side of the Dresden Files universe comes into it. Um, and and I say high fantasy, I mean we're not. There's not like a nation of dragons. There's not like everyone's got blades that can talk to them and stuff. But um, compared to like most magic realism, this is very high fantasy, where you've got a battle in the clouds between satyrs and elves and centaurs and stuff um so so yeah um i think uh i mean i guess if we're talking about the book as a whole um there's some really good character work done uh with um billy and the alphas we see how they have changed uh there's some good character work done with murphy um she's in it a lot less in this book but we get yeah. a real feeling for where she's at emotionally um that's really interesting talking about dealing with i mean essentially post-traumatic stress um in a really yeah i mean that's uh, i think that's something what i really liked the first time round is that it, it wasn't just a kind of she went through the traumatic event in the previous book and it was just a kind of you know over and done and the only reference we really get is like Oh, you remember that time in the last book? Yeah, that was weird. And then just get on with life. Yeah. No, ex- exactly, exactly. It's not. I mean, uh, I always liken it to superhero stuff because that's kind of where my my mind goes naturally. But like the X Men mm. fight Magneto one week. Uh, I don't know. Beast gets uh trapped in chains or something, um, and then. The next week, um, he's perfectly fine. Whereas, like, uh, in real life, he'd probably develop a bit of claustrophobia or something. I'd, just for an example. Um, whereas, mm-hmm. I always feel that uh, the Dresden Files um, books taps into that a bit and explores. Okay, well, the last time that we saw this character, they were dealing with X. Uh, what does that produce within them? What long-term effects does that have? Um, and I think yeah. this is the first time, really, that we see a, a, this kind of come to the foreground with with the way that Murphy's treated here. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I, I really enjoy that um, aspect of it. So, um, just pulling in a little bit closer on some some moments, um, the. I, I think the first thing the the first moment that um I really wanted to kind of 
drill into was the the skirmish between the werewolves and the, the cavalry charge. Um, I thought that that was a great a great moment. What do you think? I loved it. Like, oh, I, I yeah. <laughs> it's it's a good like battle moment, and um, I love like Jim Butch does a really good analysis of. I, I mean, I think he's got an interest in in uh, horsemanship and in, in combat in very in multiple different forms, um, and I mm. think that's explored here quite well, um, where you've got he's uh, him like talking about how uh, if you can take kind of the legs from underneath a horse, then you'll di- then you can take down the rider and the advantages of like mounted combatants versus those on the ground uh he talks about a little bit which is really cool um and kind of the advantage then that magic gives you against the cavalry charge um there's lots of lots of like discussion around that uh, that i thought i thought was really interesting um yeah. and really shows you like that he's not just talking out of his ass when it comes to the combat like he's he is thinking uh, with physics, with uh, with historical kind of um, context, how does how do these sort of battles play out? Okay, if you were on the ground with a bunch of werewolves against a mounted charge of uh, magical cavalry, what would actually happen, and like how would that actually play out? And we see this more and more as we go further into the books. Um, he really does try and pin down the physics of a magical world and it makes it feel so much more uh weighty and like dresden's not just going to win by pulling something out at the last minute it's always going to be like within the laws of that universe and world which gives it much more dramatic tension and much more weight um so yeah i thought it was really good um the next bit that I thought was uh, cool was uh, Dresden and uh, Elaine, the the Forest of Thorns. It's, I mean, could you get a more uh, blatant trust exercise than having to walk through a Forest of Thorns while someone else holds them back for you? And they, they talk about this as well. Um, I thought it was just a great moment for the relationship. Um, and I guess looking back on the whole book, how how do you find the whole Dresden and, and Elaine relationship now that we've kind of seen it play out? I mean, I think we've kind of acknowledged it before, but said we wouldn't until we finished. But I'm still surprised that she hasn't really had that much in the way of major appearances after this. Like, I know she pops Same. up again for a bit in, I think, book nine or something. But given given their history and all that kind of stuff i don't know i just would have i think i expected more like especially with them leaving on pretty good terms here yeah definitely um i think there there is an issue to some degree in that it's like her and Justin get on pretty well so where do you go next with the relationship do you give uh do you give them a, a chance at forming a relationship? Well, that 
that would then conflict with other characters. But then if you don't do that, then where else can they go? She could betray him, I suppose. But then do you want do you want to damage that relationship? I, I, I can understand Jim's problem there. Maybe it is easier just to forget that Elaine's around or yeah. to keep her kind of off screen. Um, I think given where we are in the series, it would be nice to see her perhaps interact with Thomas. Yeah, or even at this because I can't remember if she's had much of um an interaction at this point with the White Council. I know Harry specifies that he didn't tell the council about her at the end of this book. But yeah. with her being quite active with the whole paranet thing, it, it seems weird that the White I mean, unless I'm mistaken here and I just can't remember, it seems weird that the White Council haven't kind of cottoned on to that, I suppose. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's it's very interesting. There's uh, a couple of characters in the series that I feel push Elaine out, and I talked about Hannah Asher being one, uh, but I also think um, Molly, to a degree, yeah. um, steps into where Elaine could be, and, and especially Molly's relationship with the White Council as well is very similar to Elaine's. Yeah. Um. So I I don't know. It, it'll be interesting to see if I could. I would really like her to pop up in later in a later book, and especially her connection to the Summer Court. Mm. Um, because I feel like we don't get as much on the Summer Court anywhere near as much as Winter for obvious reasons. But totally agreed. Um, yeah, it would be a great window into that. Um, I can also see. If you were going to have a spin-off character and it wasn't going to be um, some of the other characters that we discussed, I don't want to give too many spoilers at this point, um, but um, she would be a good character to spin-off with, I suppose. Yeah, agreed. I mean, it's I can't remember where she's operating the Paranet from, but it would be good to get more of a insight into that. Yeah, certainly. Um you could tell some very different stories with like out outside of an urban environment. I mean, you could have her traveling across America uh, or even the world finding other magic users mm. um, and, and kind of inducting them into the paranet. Um, so yeah, that that's, that's a cool idea. And I like that. Um, so yeah. Uh, so then we get to the stone table uh, and everything that plays out there. Um, the moment with Meryl, the moment with Tutu. I mean, there's not much more to say there except awesome um, and and really, really, really cool moments. Um, but the bit that that gave me chills on rereading was Aurora's obvious madness. Yeah. Um, she There's a moment where she says something along the lines of, like, I don't understand to Dresden. Yeah. Uh as she's like laying in his arms and it is clear to me that the uh the kind of nemesis virus that gets talked about in later books this kind of like psychological uh virus that causes you to act outside of your normal character or to break magical laws and things yeah. um 
I I am almost certain that she had this. What's your thoughts? I mean, like knowing about the whole Nemesis thing now, I quite like. Like similar to um, I guess Stormfront as well. I quite like yeah going into like I mean that's one thing I'm looking forward to a future books as well is going into them knowing what we know further down the line. Yeah, and it's it's quite easy to see, especially with um Aurora. I mean, I think she's a great example of. I know it's especially when you relate it to uh, Cold Days and that because that's I don't want to say I it's I wouldn't reveal what happens, but I mean it's quite similar. It also involves the Summer Court, heavily focuses yeah. on the um, Summer Lady as well, and it's very similar in that regard in terms of like displaying how it affects the characters. D- definitely. Definitely. Um, yeah, I think it's... Uh, it, it just... The, the whole Nemesis thing just adds a new, a new light onto the series. And the thing that blows me away more than anything is the way that Jim Butcher has crafted this series. There is so much to see on a reread that Agreed. just blows me away. It's crazy. Um, and also, there is such a great sadness in that moment, knowing everything about Nemesis and stuff, um, and just knowing how distressed Aurora must be in her last moments mm. is it is really chilling, um, and just oof, oof. Um, following that, we then get the various queens and uh winter royalty showing up um and this again i mean there is a lot laying down the future um of of kind of the dresden verse going on here um it's obvious that winter have kind of noticed harry and his um abilities his uh his ability to to work in a way that winter find good and useful um and they even kind of like you would make a really good night uh at the end of this which is oh scary um but yeah i think the way that they are shown here um, it actually gave me, uh, it made me think about some of the scenes in The Crown, where you see all of the, the Windsor family together, hmm. um, and and they're shown as kind of like this, like, clicky kind of uh, inner circle, and the moment where, like, Mother Winter, uh, the Winter Lady, and uh, Granny Winter are all like stood around Lloyd's slate. It's like they're this silent, impenetrable circle of power that are horrifyingly powerful and terrifying uh, just in what they represent. Um, And having them all like together is so, so scary. That was the thing that I didn't expect. I didn't, I, I completely forgot 
that they all came together in the in that last moment. Yes. Yeah, uh, I I forgot that Granny Winter was there, but yeah, it's. Uh, I guess in you can you can view it in the way of like the end of uh, Return of the Jedi, where you've got like the Force Ghost there, um, yeah. and like it's like oh, it's it's a big celebration, it's great. But you can also see it in that, like, like the crown, like, oh shit, they are together, and now a big threat has been removed. What what mischief can they get up to? So mm. I think it, it's a really good moment. Um, yeah. So uh, then then we go into our kind of uh, epilogue, denouement, uh, the morning after. Um, lovely, lovely scene. Um, Everyone's kind of happy. Makes always makes me think of that scene in Lord of the Rings where Frodo wakes up in Rivendale, yeah. and everyone's just inexplicably laughing. Uh, <laughs> That's how I felt at the end of third year. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I I just love like yeah the slow motion laughing. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I swear, like, there's a moment where each person as they walk in the room, like, Legolas walks in the room and he just looks sullen for a second, then makes eye contact with Frodo, starts laughing, then the door opens again, and, like, Pippin and Merry look a little sullen and, and down, and then look at Frodo and just start laughing. Uh, <laughs> it's just like that. Um, yeah, so we get the moments with Elaine, we get the moments with Fix and Lily, we get the moments with uh, Billy, um, all, all lovely, lovely kind of. Um, it's all we get that nice feeling of closure. We hear about the White Council, brilliant, um, and then we get Harry going along to Games Night, um, which, I mean, we all, we both know how great um, a like a role playing group is, like a. Uh, a friend group like that is and how it just makes everything a little bit easier and uh, it's a great way to blow off steam um and yeah uh, i think i didn't get it when i read this last time uh and having had that experience of a gaming group and that social activity um and what it means on kind of a mental health level, I was like, "Oh wow, Harry going back to that—that's massive," and that that it, it is really um, a change for his character and shows the completion of his arc in this book, which um, is what we love to see. Uh, I'm all about arcs completing. Yeah, <laughs> need it. You need it. You need it. <laughs> you need it. You love to see it. <laughs> Um, fuck yeah! Uh, anything else that you want to throw in, man? Uh not I'm not really. I'm just excited. As always, when we get to this point, I'm just so excited to start the next one. It's gonna be. I mean, we are now in in the proper meat and bones of Dresden Files. Um, all all the kind of basics are covered, and it's time to get to work with some some big stories and i mean the next one is going to be massive um yes all all i can say is nicodemus is gonna rock your world if you haven't 
uh, read the books before. And if you have, we are going to have some fun. Oh, yes. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, um, we will. Uh, so the plan is we're going to take a week um, just so that me and Rob have some time to um, basically uh, get ahead uh, with some reading and stuff. Uh, we also are going to spend a bit more time on our one-year anniversary celebrations, uh, which, oh my God, that's crazy. But, yeah, uh, <laughs> we are, we're coming up to a year uh, of recording this, um, which is super exciting as well. Like, with um, a lot has happened in the last year, a lot hasn't happened as well. Um <laughs> Um, and uh, it's done this whole thing has done better than we ever thought it would we always talk about that we're so grateful to all of you um, and we'll we'll be t telling you more about our celebrations for year anniversary very very soon um, but yeah um, we're going to take a week off uh, you guys will just have to entertain yourselves for a week uh, go through re-listen to Summer Night uh, and re-listen if you've got time, I guess, uh, to uh, a bit of, of Grave Peril, because a lot of that ties into our next book. Um, and then, yeah, week after, we'll be jumping in um, with uh, our, our next series, which will be uh, Death Masks. Um, yes. That's not how I'm going to say it. That's oh. just... Uh, that's just a general death masks. Fair enough. Um, <laughs> uh, so, yeah, Rob, do you want to take us out? Yeah. Um, as always, thank you for the support. We've hit, what, like 4,200 downloads? We're getting a pretty steady stream coming in. Um, yeah. Yeah, um, as always, share, follow, subscribe. You've probably already subscribed and followed if you're listening, but if you haven't, do it anyway, you know. It won't hurt. Um, we don't bite often. Um, and yeah, as, as Pat said, we're taking a week off before going into Death Masks. And I thought it would be a fun idea to build a playlist around each book. So I've done that because I, I'm trying to avoid doing work. Because that's me. Um, and we'll upload that in the kind of interim in between, I guess. Um is that a playlist for Summer Night? Summer Night! Or oh, a playlist I, for Death Masks? A uh, playlist for Death Masks. Masks, Ooh. masks, masks. Yeah, build the hype. Yeah, boy, you know it. I've made it as Dresden-y as I can. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah. Uh, and I guess when we do have the next episode, we'll be covering the first four chapters of Death Masks. So, get reading, I guess. Yeah, and we will... See you next time. Crack open a can of Coke because you've been listening to the Paranet Podcast with your hosts, me, Rob Davis, and me, Patrick Lund. And we'll see you soon. Bye. Bye. <laughs>